Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Monday, September 4th. I am your host, Jared Mintz, and I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly pumped for this week. After seven long months, the NFL is officially back this Thursday when the defending champion New England Patriots open up the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. To celebrate the return of NFL football and to help me preview the upcoming season, we have Joe Marino, a member of the Football Writers Association of America, who writes about the NFL college football, and the NFL Draft for FanRig Sports joining us today. Joe's also the co-host of the Draft Dudes podcast with Kyle Krabs, as well as the AD of NDT Scouting, and can be found on Twitter at TheJoeMarino. Joe, are you ready for some football? Oh man, Jared, I am pumped up and ready. Uh, I've been writing about it for the last, oh god, year with, with no games, no new football to get into, so it's finally right on our doorstep here, and, and man, I'm pumped. I love it. Same here, minus all of the content. Dude, you're a monster. You just you have been pumping out so much good NFL stuff over on FanRag. I, I haven't been noticing the college football because I'm not as into it, but your your draft stuff, your NFL season preview, you're getting me pretty excited, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's been great. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity uh, that I have with FanRag to, to write about all facets of football. I'll be in Atlanta tonight uh, to cover the Georgia Tech uh, Georgia Tech-Tennessee game. Uh, so, so we'll get some college football into that, but then uh, come Thursday night, uh, it's it's going to be full go for the NFL. So, uh, definitely uh, trying to establish uh, a good foundation for for what's to come, and, and looking forward to this conversation. Awesome, me too. Usually with guests, we start the show off with rapid fire questions to break the ice and get our listenership a little more in tune with our guest. Joe, you ready for some rapid fire questions? I am ready. All right, and I'm not going to make them too difficult for you. First one, what is your favorite television show of all time? Oh, I guess The Office. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot. I, I, man, I don't even watch TV right now. That's <laughs> probably comes as a, as a shock, I guess, because most people just like have their shows that they put on the DVR all the time. But um, I've only had one show that I've like seen every episode, and that is The Office. Otherwise, uh, there's nothing that's appointment TV. And I, I know I'm just, I'm boring. I just only basically watch sports. <laughs> nah, dude, I'm, I'm like that too, except for the fact that my wife doesn't let me get away with it. But, but when she does, it's always sports on the TV. So I definitely understand. Uh, we'll switch over to something that you could definitely relate to. <laughs> well, to extents, don't get jarred by the first part of the question. If you were on death row, what would be your final meal? Oh, chicken wings. Uh, I'm a Buffalo, uh, Buffalo native, grew up in Buffalo, New York. And uh, I live in Charlotte now, but chicken wings, I, I mean, I start getting like cravings if I go more than a, a week, probably without <laughs> wings. So so that, they would be a, a prerequisite for me dying uh, is getting a meal of chicken wings in. Speaking my language, two follow-up questions to that, on the bone or boneless and ranch or blue cheese? Uh, well, if you, first of all, ranch, um, I'm not wow. doing moldy cheese. And, and secondly, um, if you get boneless wings, let's just call that a happy meal and I, <laughs> you should get a toy because there's no such thing as a boneless wing. That's chicken nugget. Oh man, that is a take and I am here for that take. I love yes. it. I'm not a boneless wing guy at all. Okay, good. Because if we, we'd have to end this podcast <laughs> immediately, I couldn't continue. So. Awesome. All right. We'll get to sports with this next question. If you could go back in time and give any injury riddled professional athlete a clean bill of health for the duration of their career, who would it have been? 
Oh, wow. That's um, off the top here. A clean bill of health for their career. I don't. I guess Derrick Rose comes to mind. Uh, you, you just love to see what he would be able to do without all the knee injuries and and what's come of that. And everybody kind of thinking that he deserves a second chance and a third chance. And he's he's, you know, he's uh, changing teams like crazy. If he could just be healthy to see what he would have would have been able to do throughout his career, like just with one franchise, I, th- I think that would be pretty special with what he's shown. And then to be able to build around him, knowing that he's healthy, I think that he could have done some great things. Yeah, you definitely have a lot of Bulls fans who would agree with that take. As a Knicks fan, I probably agree with that take too, because I didn't really love having him on the team I cheer for last year. But he he's, <laughs> he's definitely one of those guys for sure. Uh, moving on, if you could make a candle of any scent in the world, what would it be? I just like the, oh man, you know, this is... That is not what I was expected to be asked. Um, I guess I like the fresher sense, you know, like uh, just like the laundry or like the clean air. Nice. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to get into the, to the store and smell a few candles. You know, I've done that. I do that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's always that type of stuff. I don't like the apple cinnamon type stuff, like the, the pine tree forest, like the real, like, I guess, wintry fall smells. Give me something fresh. I dig it, man. I was thinking like gasoline or something weird. I just think because there's so many things that you could smell when you go to Yankee Candle or a candle place. I want something out of the box. It's kind of like the Billy Madison blue duck theory where you just want something you've never seen before. Okay. A gasoline candle. I I don't think those exist, but if if there are others like you, there might be a market, man. That might be something. I'm going to keep that one to myself. Maybe vinegar, right? I there you go. That's different. You won't see that out there. All right. Last question. We're going to end this up. I want a hot take from you here. What is the most overrated thing in the world? The most overrated thing in the world. It could be a place. It could be a person. It could be anything oh, okay. you'd like. All right. I've got it. It's summer. Summer's terrible. Uh, it's hot. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I just want to go to my car and walk to it without sweating, and I can't. You know, you leave the house fresh, clean. You, you get to your car, and you're like, what? muggy and hot uh there's no sports that are good like the football's not really there uh you know by the time summer really hits the the, you know the nba playoffs are over with you know major league baseball is in game 97 out of 162 it's just basketball's not you know not really running Uh, hockey's passed and when your life kind of revolves around sports and and you're stuck in july waiting for NFL training camp. Yeah, it's summer. Not, nothing nothing good about it. Speaking my language, my friend, I have been so ready for summer to be over. The whole the whole walk to your car and be so sweaty that you need to shower again before you even get in your car. And you li- you live in in the Carolinas. I'm in New York. It must be ridiculous. Oh. It must be hell down by you. Yeah, I just want to like cut the grass and not feel like I'm going to die by the end <laughs> of it. You know, it's just it's I and I don't like the beach. You know, I don't like sunburn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's doesn't do much for me. doesn't move the needle. Give me cool weather and football. Sounds good to me. Well, both of those things are coming back. As, yes. we, as we mentioned, this is it, baby. This is week one of the NFL on deck. We're four days away. My first question for you as we start our NFL preview together, what are the odds that the Patriots aren't at worst playing in the AFC Championship game again this year? Very, very slim. Uh, the Patriots are loaded. Um, even with the loss of Julian Edelman and, and some of the issues they're dealing with in terms of pass rushers, I just think that Tom Brady, at his age, he's playing great football. He's got great receivers around him. He's got speed at the position now, 
with Brandon Cooks and the recent uh, trade for Philip Dorsett. Chris Hogan and, and Danny Elmendola give you the same things Julian Edelman give you. Uh, their secondary is loaded with, with Stephon Gilmore in the fold. Rob Gronkowski is healthy. They've got a stable of running backs that are versatile and do a lot of different things. And, and Mike Gillisley is, I think, going to be a stud for them. And You, you compliment him with the Rex Burkhead and Deion Lewis. And uh, I, I just think this might be the best talent around Brady. Aside of that one year with Randy Moss, they went undefeated, fifteen and one, or you know, and lost in the Super Bowl. I just feel like the talent around Brady's good. Brady's playing at an all-time high, uh, and and I'm not sure there's a lot of threats in the conference, which which is what we'll get into here, I'm sure, at some point. But uh, yeah, no, I, it's this is this season's about the Patriots, and and uh, them at worst getting to the AFC Championship game is almost a lock for me. Sure, and you know, it's funny you put that the way you do, talking about all the talent that's around Brady when. The Patriots just do next man up better than anybody else in the NFL, maybe anybody I've ever even seen, but obviously the the main guy we're talking about here and with the Patriots is Tom Brady. He's 100 years old. How does he keep doing this? When is he going to slow down? Is it ever going to happen? Um, yeah, that's a real good question. You know, I guess the when I think about Tom Brady and his, you know, father time's undefeated, so it will happen. But when I think about the reason he's been able to go this long, I think about just how disciplined he is with his diet. And uh, I guess you know I read something one time where he eats cake once a year. And not saying that it's important that he never eats cake or, or doesn't do it very often. But the fact that he's disciplined with his diet for one day a year to be the day that he eats cake, I think that speaks to his entire regiment in life and how he's been able to maximize uh, nutrition in, in science to have himself in peak condition so that he can, you know, always be at his optimal efficiency for what his body is. And uh, Tom Brady has never been a guy that's won because of his physical ability. So that's something that you know, we see in other positions a lot of time when they lose a step. We hear that all the time. They lose a step and, and, and everything declines. Well, Tom Brady never had the rocket arm or, or you know, the ability to extend plays with athleticism. He's always been a guy that's going to be a surgeon, pick you apart from the pocket, throw with anticipation, understand where leverage and spaces and defenses and throw the football accurately. And that's something that when you think about uh, defeating father time and prolonging his career, uh, the fact that it's never been about athleticism for him or physical tools uh, speaks to his longevity and why I believe he's the best quarterback in the game and will be for you know, at least a few more seasons, it seems. Yeah, those are really great points. I mean, it's terrifying. I mentioned I'm a Knicks fan. I'm also a Jets fan. So it, it's terrifying thinking this guy's never going to go away. But look, you know, you have to give credit where credit's due. And he's just, he's remarkable. It's, it's incredible to watch a guy do what he does at the level he does it at the age that he is. And it seems like, it seems like he gets better every single year. Yeah, playing great football. And a uh, little side note here, I'm a Bills fan, so we, <laughs> we'll be in com- competition for that number one pick, it seems. I'm hoping that it goes to the Jets. I mean, if ever there is a year to tank, obviously, I mean, I, I don't want to take this too personal, but watching the Bills trade Sammy Watkins and wondering what they're going to do with Shady and also Tyrod Taylor, who I'm a big Tyrod Taylor fan. I don't know why they keep playing around with him. They obviously want that number one pick this year. Yeah, well, the only thing standing in the way seems to be the Jets, so uh, we'll, we'll see. we got a couple open up with uh, – Bill's open with the Jets as eight-point favorites. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Yeah, not, not a lot of fun. Next question has nothing to do with either the Bills or the Jets. Is there another team in the AFC that the Patriots should actually be afraid of this year? Yeah, I really like what Pittsburgh has this season. Um, 
offensively, that team is stacked. Uh, I mean, I think I actually just wrote an article about Martavis Bryant and, and what he means to uh, to being back for that Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And what I think it means is that Ben Roethlisberger has the best uh, cast of characters around him in terms of weapons so far in his career. Uh, Antonio Brown, arguably the best wide receiver in the game. Martavis Bryant is a freak in terms of size, length, and athleticism. He's got an explosive leaping ability. He's a guy that's going to dominate one-on-one. And so when you think about having to deal with him and Antonio Brown, you can't cover them both with two guys. So uh, there's going to be a lot of one-on-one opportunities for both of those guys to feast on. They've recently added Vance McDonald, the tight end for the 49ers, who's a, who's a height, weight, speed specimen as well. So you think about Ben Roethlisberger and his ability to extend plays and, and these guys running routes and what they offer in terms of physical gifts. I mean, it's exciting. And then you, you, you got the best, arguably the best running back in the league behind him and Le'Veon Bell. And uh, this is going to be an outstanding offense. Uh, I like some of the moves that they did to, to bring in T.J. Watt as a pass rusher. Uh, the, I think that uh, Joe Hayden on the outside is a good move, especially at this point in the offseason. I just think it's a pretty complete team. And if there's anybody that, that New England needs to be worried about, it's Pittsburgh. And, and uh, you know, I guess this, it wouldn't surprise me at all for that to be the AFC Championship game. Yeah, if that were to happen, it would be a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. And the Steelers kind of limped into it. This year, I mean, like you mentioned, they just they have so many weapons and being able to add Joe Hayden over the last week and get Martavis Bryant back off of suspension, I, I think that it, it makes sense for them to be favorites. A- outside of them, I mean, that, anybody else that we're thinking even has a chance? Do we like the Raiders this year? Where, where, where do you stand outside of those two teams? Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's where the conversation lies in those three teams. Uh, if if another team were to be in the mix, it'd be a, it'd be a surprise to me. Um, I guess you, you start thinking about teams like Houston, Tennessee, maybe Kansas City uh, as possible uh, other contenders. But you look at all three of those teams, and I and I see issues that that really kind of preclude me from getting overly excited about them. Even when you look at the Raiders, uh, I, I, offensively that's a Super Bowl team. Defensively, they have holes, big time holes, and, and I don't think they really did much to address them that the is particularly in their interior triangle from a linebacker and defensive tackle. I think they made improvements in the secondary, but that might take some time to gel. But I still think there's some liabilities with that team at the linebacker position and at defensive tackle that preclude me from thinking that, you know, the Raiders are a serious threat, uh, especially, you know, you gotta be able to, you gotta be able to play stout defense. And I'm not sure that the Raiders have that yet. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're going to find out real soon. Their offense was a lot of fun to watch last year. And I think a lot of people look at the addition of Marshawn and also, you know, kind of him taking Latavius Murray's place and people not being convinced on Latavius Murray. And they kind of put it together like, well, this team's more complete now. We'll see how complete they actually are. With that said, who do you think is the most overhyped team in the AFC this year? Oh, I think it's the Raiders, right? So uh, that's that's where that's where I think in order to really compete. Now, I think the Raiders are positioned to win 10 games, 11 games. But as far as being a legitimate threat to, to compete, you know, be in that same tier with, with the Steelers and, and the Patriots, you've got to be able to have that stout defense, and I don't think they do. Now, let me talk up their offense for just a second because I that offensive line's in the top five of football. It's outstanding. Derek Carr is, is a quarterback that I, I very much think is right on the verge of entering that elite tier. And what's around him is really exciting. I mean, Michael Crabtree, Amari Kuhert's outstanding. But then adding Cordero Patterson uh, as a slot guy and letting him uh, get involved with space touches in terms of like uh, uh, rocket screens and, and some reverses and stuff like that and what he'll add to the special teams. And, and obviously Marshawn Lynch 
would appear to be a major upgrade over Latavius Murray. I mean, I really like that offense, but I just I just can't get behind the defense right now, and I think that's what's going to put them the outside looking in. Still a good season ahead for them, but I, I just don't know if they're going to be in that elite tier in the AFC. Sure, all, all valid points. Uh, you know, I kind of want to stay in the AFC West because I think they're probably one of the more competitive conferences, or at least that, that's how I feel heading into the season. You know, you just talked about the Raiders, and even if they are being a little overhyped, we do think they have about a, a realistic 10-win floor or so. I also like the Broncos. Just, I mean, defensively, they're still going to be competitive. The Chiefs are opening up the season against the Patriots, so there must be reason to believe that they will be decent again, too. And the Chargers are one of these teams that at least fantasy analysts love their offense and all the weapons on the team. How many of these teams do you think are playoff contenders outside of Oakland? Yeah, I really think just the, just the Chiefs. Um, Denver love the defense, like you said. I just can't get behind Trevor Simeon as a team as a quarterback that's going to lead a team to the playoffs. And I think the number one thing that any team has to have to, to be a, a playoff com- competitor is, is to have quality quarterback play. Maybe their defense gets them there, but I don't think that they're they're the type of team that's going to win a playoff game. Um, and then you look at the Chargers. I, obviously, Philip Rivers gives them a chance every week. Um, would have been really great to see Mike Williams if he'd be healthy, you know, all throughout the process in terms of preseason and camp uh, to be on the same page. He he may or may not be ready for the season. We don't know, but I think there's some valuable time lost there. And and I, and I like you know what Melvin Gordon offers them out of the backfield decent offensive line but some of the players they were counting on Forrest Lamp is is not there and and so they have some new pieces on the offensive line that needs to come together the pass rush there is really good uh with Jerry Atauchu and and, and Joey Bosa and 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 Melvin Ingram and and so I I think that they have a chance but I don't know that you know I think they're more of a a seven to to nine win team as opposed to a team that's going to get into the double digit wins in the playoff conversation but the Chiefs uh, you just know that they're going to be prepared every week. Andy Reid is a, is, a, is a you know obviously a veteran coach who always has his team ready to play. They'll, they'll always do the right things. Alex Smith's going to take care of the football. Uh, you know they've made some changes in terms of the, who's going to be the running back and receivers this year. Uh, but um, you know Tyreek Hill showed a lot of promise. Kareem Hunt showed a lot of promise. Is now the feature back. Uh, and if and if they can stay healthy on defense and get some pieces back like uh, Justin Houston, things like that, they have a chance. I just feel like from a coaching perspective and and uh, just consistency in terms of quarterback play, even though it's not always exciting, I think the Chiefs are probably the biggest threat to the Raiders in the AFC West. Yeah, that, that sounds about right in terms of being complete teams. And, you know, the Chiefs are just one of these teams that year after year everybody likes to sleep on because Alex Smith just isn't a sexy pick. It looks like right now he's going to remain the quarterback of that team after comments Andy Reid made this past weekend. So I, I, I still expect them to be in the mix of things. You know, we, we just talked about three of the four divisions in the AFC, and it looks like we, we kind of know who the best teams in those divisions are, which leaves us with the AFC South. And to me, you know, I kind of wonder, which is the most important storyline in this division? Is it Andrew Luck's health? Is it the Titans taking another step forward? Is it the Texans quarterback situation? I mean, I'm not going to get into the Jaguars because, you know, as as nice as their defense looks to be set up, you know, set up to be, quarterback situation is obviously terrible. What do you think about the AFC South here? Yeah, I think this, this division comes down to Tennessee and them actually taking that step forward. I mean, Marcus Mariota uh, looks like he's going to be a stud in some of his situational uh statistics in terms of third down red zone type stuff is off the charts and uh 
you add a Corey Davis, a top five wide receiver that they added in the draft, Taewon Taylor, a player that I was very high on coming out of Western Kentucky who had a great preseason, uh, and, and, and another team with an outstanding offensive line, a two-headed attack with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry at running back. I mean, this, this team is primed on offense to have a great year. And Mike Malarkey, uh, you can say what you want about him, but he's an innovative guy. He's always been innovative, even from his days with the Steelers, then as head coach of the Bills. He's an innovative guy, and I think he can really get the most out of out of those offensive pieces. You know, everything coming together on defense. You know, I think this is Tennessee's division to grab. Uh, look at Houston, right? Houston um, won the division, if I'm not mistaken, last year. Went to the playoffs with Brock Osweiler as their quarterback. Now, that tells you that, and and without JJ Watt. So, JJ Watt's back. You think the defense is going to be everything that it's always been? But uh, I, I, they kind of go against that narrative that you have to have quality quarterback play to get to the postseason. And if they can get something from Tom Savage, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to play this year, but if Tom Savage can be a guy that keeps the offense on schedule, they have good playmakers, Nuke Hopkins, great uh, wide receiver. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Braxton Miller's an up, up and coming guy from the slot. They have a running game with Lamar Miller. If he can just think, keep things on schedule, play great, de- great defense, they could be a Chiefs type team. You know what I mean? Where where they, you know, they're not super sexy, but find a way to get to win ten games, which might be enough in this division. Now the Colts, that team is Andrew Luck. If you take Andrew Luck off that team, I think we have a a, a team in terms of talent that rivals the Bills and Jets in terms of awful rosters. And so I think that says a lot about what Andrew Luck is. I think it says a lot about the talent around him. And, uh, you know, Andrew Luck hasn't practiced. He's, you know, he's, he's iffy to start this season. And uh, I'm not overly high on, on, on the Colts this year. So to me, this division's about Tennessee, them taking another step and, and really kind of building they're, they're geared up to be a perennial perennial uh, favorite really to win the AFC South. Sure, a lot, a lot of weapons in Tennessee. I, I definitely agree with your, your Texans point and also with your Colts point. Not much of a Scott Tolzien guy, but at the same time, before we wrap up that division, I mean, you talked about the Titans, you talk about Mariota being this red zone monster, and you don't talk about the biggest addition of the offseason. My guy BDD, the best wide receiver in the red zone, Eric Decker too, I mean, do you, are you a big Corey Davis guy? Like, without joking around here, do you, do you think he's going to make much of an impact this season? Well, I think if there's any, so from a talent perspective, yeah, I'm a draft guy. He he was a player that was ranked in my top ten players. Uh, the problem is that he's had an ankle injury seemingly since January. He hasn't really had a lot of time to gel. He's supposed to be ready for week one, but there's timing. All that stuff is so important to be able to to get that timing down and, and feel for the quarterback wide receiver connection. So that might not be as as uh, you know prolific as I think it can be in years to come. But, yeah, I think that's a good point that you have Eric Decker, who's just a model of consistency. Obviously, he had the injury last year, but that's a dude that that's always in position. He's reliable. He makes plays. And so I think that is a good marriage in terms of the red zone when you think about uh, Mariota hooking up with De- Decker and, and uh, being a, uh, a prolific touchdown combination. Sure. What One last Titans point to squeeze in. I don't know if you saw it right before we started recording. Harry Douglas on the injured reserve for the rest of the season. Saw he made your list of players who should get cut that did not get cut. Do you feel like this is uh, karma? Where, where I'm not going to make you discuss Harry Douglas, but just figured, <laughs> out, figured I should mention it and that if you haven't, you should go check out Joe's column on five players who should get cut that probably won't. Joe, again, just keeps churning out great NFL stuff for FanRag Sports. 
Joe, up next, before we leave the AFC to go to the NFC, who do you think is a team that most people will be surprised with in terms of how good they are this season? Man, I feel like I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm going to do it. Yes. Uh, Jaguars. Um, man, I get it. Their quarterback plays terrible. It's not good. It's not exciting. Um, if they win, it's going to be in spite of Blake Bortles. But I recently wrote a piece for FanRag Sports that was, who are the top 10 Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017? And that was a difficult task to get it down to 10 names. That is a team with talent uh, in terms of veterans that can play and up-and-coming guys all over the football field, really everywhere. Like, like you look at their team, and maybe – Maybe the quarterback situation is not good, but everything else is is good. And, and I think it's good enough to compete. Now, you know, the Achilles heel of this team will be Blake Bortles, but that's not their formula. They, they invested in Leonard Fournette and Cam Robinson uh, to, to build that power running game. And, uh, you know, if they can get that going and they can free up some some looks by having a stack box to take away that running game. You have playmakers on the outside, like Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, guys that can can make plays. And uh, you know, it, keep it simple for Blake Bortles. I I'm not saying this is a playoff team, but for a team that I think won three games last year, you know, it's a team that I think can compete, can compete, and and you know, maybe have a, a seven or eight win season. Those are all great points. I mean, whenever you hear anybody talk about the Jaguars, it's, well, Bortles stinks, but it's also followed up with Doug Marone doesn't want to make Bortles win games. He wants to make Bortles do as little as possible. So I I think that's a really good call. Let's go the opposite of that. Who's a team in the AFC that most people will be surprised with in terms of how bad they actually are? So I'm not going to go out on as big of a limb here, but I think the Colts. Like I said earlier, man, this team's about Andrew Luck and his status is very much up in the air. They just traded for Jacoby Brissett, the backup quarterback for the Patriots, to come over there. Uh, talent around him, whoever the quarterback is, is poor, uh, especially up front, offensively and defensively, where football games are won. Uh, just not a fan of this talent. I'm really not. I think you got a, a coach in Chuck Pagano who's uh, coaching for his life, and, and, and I just don't know there's a good recipe there for uh, a winning season. I think this is a team that's, you know, you can, might be able to count their wins this season on one hand. I definitely agree with you. I mean, part of me, just from a fantasy perspective, is afraid of missing out on Andrew Luck and all the things that he might be able to do if he's healthy and has one of his signature seasons. But at the same time, I'm kind of okay missing the ball on them and not investing heavily in the Colts this year. All right, Joe, let's move on. Let's do the NFC now. But before we do that, let's get in a quick word from our sponsors. All right, we're back. Joe, you had great stuff from the AFC. Heading into the NFC now, Vegas odds seem to favor the Falcons this year. You think they're clearly the best team in the conference heading into the season? Not clearly. I think they're one of the best four teams in the conference, but I don't think it's it's a, you know, a, we don't we don't just crown the the Falcons and and have them play the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think this I think there's a handful of teams here. Seattle uh, you know, I think we'll probably get into them at some point a little bit deeper. But Seattle, Green Bay, and Dallas, I think, are very much in the mix. And we throw the Falcons in there. I think you got a group of four teams that are absolutely Super Bowl competitors. And, and it's going to be, I think, a, a conference that has a little bit more parity than the, the AFC. Anything other than Steelers, P- 
Patriots Super or AFC Championship minus you know a crazy injury or something. You know, I expect that. But uh, any combination of four teams really seem like they could be in the mix for the NFC Championship. Do you think that's more about you know parity in the conference, or is that kind of with expecting regression from the Falcons this year? No, I just think there's other good teams, right? I think the Falcons are a good team, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers is an off the charts quarterback, right? And and he's got good weapons, and they have a a, a program in place in Green Bay with established coordinators and, and veterans, and you just like the the makeup of that team as a team that's always going to be in the mix. Uh, Dallas, and I, I I like them a lot. I'm sure we'll get into them a little bit deeper here, but I really buy into. Dak Prescott, I really do. I think he's a stud. Uh, he had a lot of things last year that were beyond his years, and I think he's a player that is going to be one of the, the faces of the NFL. Uh, and then Seattle, you know, with Russell Wilson, who's already one of the faces of the NFL, with the defense that I think is going to be exceptional this year. Mix in with Atlanta, you, you've got four legitimate contenders, really, and I. And I I'll, I'll make a pick if I have to, but I think all four of those would uh, would very much, you know, would, none of those none of those four would surprise me uh, to to you know represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. That sounds pretty good. I definitely agree with at least three of those teams being in there. The one team that I'm I'm a little unsold on, a little unsure of, and again, a lot of this probably comes from you know my addiction to fantasy football and the concern over Ezekiel Elliott and his status. That's the Cowboys. We got a lot of people who are speculating they might take a step back. How come you're still so high on them? Well, I guess if you wanted to to not be high on Dallas, it's it's Ezekiel Elliott, but it's a pattern with some of their other players uh, that uh, seems like they're making selfish choices and not putting the team first. So you worry about that type of environment, uh, having those types of players around. But I look, this will be a hot take. I don't think this team is about Ezekiel Elliott. This is a team that was in the top 10 in rushing the year before they got Ezekiel Elliott. Darren McFadden was third in the NFL rushing the football with, like, Matt Castle as the quarterback with no threat to pass the ball. And they still got it done on the ground. I don't want to take anything away from Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's a fabulous football player, but I don't think he matters that much. And this is a team stacked with running backs behind him. Still have Darren McFadden, who is two years removed from being third in the NFL in, in rushing yards. Uh, They've got Alfred Smith, the guy who's had 1,000-yard seasons in this league. They've got Rod Smith. They've got Ronnie Hillman. Uh, They're they're, going to be just fine with that offensive line. I mean, I'm not going to say that I could get 1,000 yards behind that line, but anybody capable of carrying a football in the NFL is going to have production. To me, this team's about Dak Prescott and and already talked about. He's got a fabulous offensive line, but I think that he's got the moxie and the understanding of how to win and understanding of, of NFL passing game concepts and what he can do from the pocket and on the move with fabulous wide receivers like a Des Bryant, like a Cole Beasley. Terrence Williams is a good complement to those guys. You add Ryan Switzer in the other slot. you got a Hall of Fame tight end and Jason Witten. This team offensively is terrific. It's about the defense. Now, they got a, what I think is a veteran secondary, but I don't think it can – it doesn't have much depth to it. But, so if their starters are okay, they're okay. But I don't want to. I don't think they need to be relying on uh, on a whole lot of these younger guys like Jordan Lewis, Chidobia Woozy to come in. Uh, but uh, uh, you know they went out and got Benay Benwickery, who's an experienced guy, and I think that's an important piece of that secondary. Getting another guy with 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 some you know experience under his belt. Sean Lee's a, a fabulous linebacker. 
to me, it's about this defensive line. And if, if Taco Charlton can come in and give them some pass rush, Malik Collins to take a step forward, and, and for those guys to be stout, to be able to you know, take away the running game, that's really important to be able to stop the running game in the NFL. And Dallas was good at it last year. There's no reason to think that they can't be good at it again this year. If they can get pressure on the quarterback, this is absolutely an NFC contender. But to me, it's all about this offense. It's about Dak Prescott, who is absolutely one of the best 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Wow, I mean, I I think he's awesome, so I'm not going to dispute that. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL this year, and I, I definitely agree with the premise that this is going to be a season we're going to find out exactly how good he is. I mean, it's not fair to even say that because he was really good last year, and the point you made about Zeke being able to run, you could probably get back there and run, and I've never seen you run. They, just, they, they have such a good offensive line, such a, a well-oiled offense, so yeah, I mean, I'm expecting the, the fantasy stats to be there and to Dak to have another good season. I guess I guess the thing that a lot of people are concerned about, though, when it comes to them being as good as they were in the past, besides Dika, is they have a really difficult schedule this year, but you could say that about everybody else in the division, too. But at the same time, the division seems to be the most competitive it's been in years. I mean, the, the Redskins have a lot of weapons on offense. Giants defense was great last year, and it's expected that their offense should catch up a bit this year if they could stay healthy. Uh, you know, and even the Eagles, there, there are people who, who really like the Eagles. Which of these teams do you think presents the biggest challenge to the Cowboys this year? I think it's the Giants. Um, that team's, that team's stacked on defense. That defensive line is, is a bunch of strong physical dudes with some athleticism on the outside to get after the passer. And, and I think when you have a, a defense that's built, you know, from the line out, uh, it's, it's, it's the makings of a good defense. I don't love their linebackers, but their secondary. You know, Landon Collins, one of the one of the premier defensive players in the league last year, and and I think he's only going to get better. Their corners are outstanding, and you know, for whatever reason, everybody seems to want to be quick to hate on Eli Manning. He's been a good quarterback in this league, and, and he's got some of the best talent around him in terms of skill players, the wide receiver position that he's that he's had, and. Um, He's in a system with Ben McAdoo where it plays to his strengths. And, you know, Eli Manning, say what you want about him. He's prepared. Um, and uh, I really like his upside in the system with these weapons around him. And, you know, what really the, the defense, right? And I think it comes down to what they have up front. You know, they got to be able to stop that running game. If there's, a, if there's a defensive line that can match up with this Cowboys offensive line it's what the Giants have and I think that gives them a chance uh, to to really force the you know in the head-to-head matchups the Cowboys are gonna have to come up with more creative ways to to get to create offense because I think they will have the best chance of taking away that that running game so the Giants I like what they have on defense they were great last year I think they're better this year and uh, you know Eli Manning in another year with Ben McAdoo with good weapons around him I think that you know it's the next best team in this division. Sure, I think I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, I'm also excited to see what, what the other two teams in the division can do, but I'm really expecting it to be pretty competitive as long as Dallas doesn't just run away with things. Uh, we talk about the NFC East being competitive. You go across the coast, the NFC West doesn't appear to be ultra-competitive. It looks like it's really the Seahawks, and I mean, maybe Arizona could be solid again this year. With that said, how dangerous does the acquisition of Sheldon Richardson make the Seahawks this year? I think it's big. Um we talk about quarterback play being the most important thing in football. The second most important thing is being able to affect quarterback play. And when you're able to have a four-man rush of Frank Clark, 
Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, and Sheldon Richardson. <laughs> That's exciting. Those are four dudes that can get after the quarterback organically. That means that you don't have to send extra pressure. So you can get pressure on the quarterback with four. You can drop seven in coverage, and you're stacked everywhere. They've got speed. They've got talent on the back end, obviously, in the secondary. And uh, Bobby Wagner, one of the elite linebackers in the game, roaming behind this defensive line. Man, <laughs> I, I think Sheldon Richardson was the piece they were missing on defense to, to really, like, make them a, one of the favorites in the NFC. And, and uh, I just it, it, to me, it really comes down to that organic pressure that they'll be able to get with four guys. Uh, and, and obviously on offense with, with Russell Wilson and, and company, I think they'll be just fine. The offensive line doesn't matter who they put up there, it seems. But, uh, yeah, no, Sheldon Richardson, I think, really kind of makes me a big-time believer in what, what the Seahawks can get done this year. I'm glad you mentioned Russell Wilson there because it looked like 2015 he was breaking out. I mean, the, the Seahawks were throwing the ball all over the place more than they had in the past. And then last year, I think a lot of people expected him to kind of make that MVP leap and he was hampered with injuries all year. You expecting him to be one of these MVP candidates this year? Yeah, yeah, I sure do. Um, I think Doug Baldwin's a great wide receiver. I, I think they've got a good good chemistry. they got some fast guys behind him, Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett. Um, and I think he's got, I mean, he's got that it factor. He, whatever that is, he's got it. And, uh, yeah, no, I think he's, he's absolutely an MVP candidate. I don't think he's like a front runner. But, um, you know, I think, that he makes this team go, and and if you take Russell Wilson off this team, I think you know we have a really different outlook on the season because that offensive line in front of him is still very underwhelming, and uh, he's he's been able to overcome that, which is pretty rare. And I'd love to see what he can do with a talented group of five in front of him, but uh, uh, that's not what he has right now. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I buy into Russell Wilson. I think he's he's outstanding, and, and I think he's absolutely in the MVP mix. Speaking of quarterbacks who are going to have to carry their offense through stretches and be MVP candidates, you mentioned Green Bay as one of these teams that you're really high on this year. It's obvious they're there every year, Aaron Rodgers. For my money, I don't know that I've ever seen better quarterback play than Aaron Rodgers when he's at his best. I mean, the guy's just incredible. That said... Minnesota Vikings seem to be one of these teams that are also on people's radar this year for for a big improvement. They have a pretty easy schedule, a lot of weapons on offense, and the defense is obviously solid too. You think the Vikings can challenge Green Bay for the North this year? I don't. Um, I think this is about Green Bay winning this division. Let's talk specifically about Minnesota and why I don't think they are contenders in the North. Love the defense. All three levels of it has playmakers, speed, and talented guys. But on offense, I just don't think they have it on the offensive line still, even though they spent some pretty big money to, to get help on the offensive line. Uh, I don't think it's coming together. It's been bad this preseason. But what I think it really comes down to is I think this team's missing a vertical passing game. And so when you can stack the box to take away the run, you can crowd routes early, and disrupt the timing with no real threat to stretch the field. And Sam Bradford, a guy who's he's not really a deep vertical passer. He's a guy that wants to get the ball out quick. I think that's an easy task for NFL defenses. And until they have a legitimate vertical element to this offense, combined with – if they're not going to have a vertical element to the offense, they need to be able to have a dominant running game. And I don't think they have that either. So I just think there's too many missing things that make – 
that that Minnesota needs to be able to compete with Green Bay, and I, I don't think they have him. Sam Bradford, he's going to be safe. He's he's gonna he's going to to keep things uh, simple, but you got to make plays. You got to make plays in this league, and I don't think that the Vikings have enough of that on offense. That's a that's a really good point, and uh, you're you're right. I mean, I don't think this is going to be the year of Laquan Treadwell. And no. as much as as much as I like Diggs and Thielen and Kyle Rudolph, Sam Bradford is very much a play at safe quarterback. And that line, I mean, there's just there's going to be questions about that line until there aren't. And as of right now, I think it's fair to say that there still are plenty of questions. I agree, absolutely. All right, let's let's wrap up the NFC with a couple of questions that I asked with regards to the AFC as well. Joe, who's a team that most people are going to be surprised with in terms of how good they are this year? Let's go Carolina Panthers. Um, this is a team that's what, two years removed from the Super Bowl, having the highest scoring offense in the league. Uh, they had a lot of stuff worked against them last year. Their their offense was banged up big time. Uh, you know, Rich, uh, Ron Rivera admitted that Cam Newton's confidence was shook. I mean, he was getting crushed all the time. And uh, I thought what they did this offseason to get Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel specifically to add a short passing game to this offense where there's going to be some screen elements, there's going to be situations where those guys are ISOed on linebackers, and Cam Newton can take advantage of of those types of situations to complement the Giants. You know, they have a Devin Funches and Calvin Benjamin and Greg Olson as their primary passing uh, game options. You, now you have these jitterbug slot guys that can uh, – that can make plays in space in a two-headed rushing attack with Jonathan Stewart and uh, obviously with with Christian McCaffrey. I think this offense is going to be back. Um, just uh, There's more layers to it, kind of what we were talking about with Minnesota. I think that the Panthers have added layers to that offense that they need defensively. Come on now, this is going to be a great team on defense. They've got studs everywhere at all three levels. Uh, defensive line, you know, bringing back Julius Peppers adding him to Charles Johnson, K1 Short and Starlo Tulele. That's that's a terrific front four. Then you put you put Luke Keekley who's one of the best defensive players in the game, Thomas Davis who's you know, he's a stud. You got Shaq Thompson an up and coming linebacker, but with a secondary behind him you know, with J- James Bradbury up and coming corner, Daryl Worley. Yeah, I like this team. They added uh, Mike Adams, a veteran safety, somebody that can help with some of the communication issues they had last year. And I think they're stacked everywhere in a team that is not that far off from being competitive in terms of, you know, being the Super Bowl representative. So, uh, you know, I, I expect Carolina to get right back into the mix of, of things. You know, I, maybe the outside looking in of those top four that I talked about. But, uh, you know, the playoffs should should absolutely be within reach for Carolina this year after missing them last year. Interesting. I mean, you know, the NFC South is expected to be competitive. Saints won't lie down. Tampa, there's a lot of eyes on them to, to take a next step. And obviously, Atlanta coming back from, from that Super Bowl loss, it's going to be interesting to see where Carolina fits in there. But, you know, you make a lot of great points. With that said, who do you think is a team that most people are going to be surprised with in terms of how bad they are in the NFC this season? Well, I, I, I thought about my answer here. And Arizona Cardinals, like, I get it, they weren't good last year, but I think there's some people out there that think that they've geared up for one more run with Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that there's not enough around Larry Fitzgerald. You know, I don't love their other receiving options. The big problem with Carson Palmer last year is he was killed. You know, they didn't have a great offensive line in front of him. I still don't think they do. You know, uh, so I think where they needed to get better, I thought they needed to get better in three areas. 
other playmakers outside of Larry Fitzgerald, I don't think they did it. I don't think the offensive line has improved. They're counting on DJ Humphreys to be their left tackle, which I think is going to be a major liability. And I think they needed to improve uh, the cornerback play opposite of Patrick Peterson, and I don't think they did that. So I'm not sure that they addressed the needs that I thought they needed to get back into this mix. And so, for, you know, look, I don't think anyone was sitting here saying that Arizona Cardinals are a, a threat to win the NFC, but there are some people that probably thought this is a team that was geared up for a run this year. I think they're going to come up empty. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. I would not be surprised either. Before I let you go, Joe, I have some overview prediction questions I want to ask of you. I know not everybody likes doing predictions, but you haven't fought me on it. You cool with that if we do some predictions? Yeah, let's do it. As long as, uh, you know, you don't hold me to them, right? I definitely <laughs> Unless I'm right, then we'll go back and talk about it. Right? <laughs> definitely. That is exactly how we are going to do that. Uh, you may have even given answers to some of these questions, but let's let's get them in concrete here. First question, what team will have the biggest turnaround in the NFL from this season to last season? Can I give you four? Sure. I'll make this quick. Cleveland Browns were 1-15 last year. They're going to be better than that. They have talent, uh, really, all over their, their team. They're going to be better than 1-15. The Jaguars talked about them at length already. They're better than a three-win team that they were last year. Uh, but I guess if I had to pick just two, <laughs> I'd go with San Francisco. That's a 2-14 and 14 football team under Chip Kelly. Uh, I, I think they've got the right leader in Kyle Shanahan, Brian Hoyer. He's not a sexy quarterback, but he's a good bridge quarterback who's going to execute that system, keep things on schedule. Pierre Garçon is a veteran wide receiver. They've got a decent offensive line. Carlos Hyde's a good running back. But that front seven on defense, particularly their front four, what they've built with Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas and DeForest Buckner is going to be really good. Uh, so I think that they're going to they're gonna be a lot better than 2-14. and 14. And the Rams, that's a team that had – just a horrible hand dealt to them with the move to Los Angeles, the travel schedule they had to London. Uh, no real quarterback, right? They had, you know, they were going with, uh, you know, Jared Goff, the number one pick. He wasn't ready to play, but to, to have to have to have Case Keenum, you know, be the starter and a bad offensive line in front of Todd Gurley. Just a lot of things that just were recipes for disaster last year. They got an innovative coach now, Sean McVay. Really good playmakers around. Uh, Jared Goff, that's going to be a, a lot better than a 4-12 and team this year. Definitely. All four of those teams need to make room at the bottom of the league for the Jets and the Bills. That's what it's about, baby. Yeah, that's right. Co- who's a coach that you think people are going to be surprised that gets fired at the end of this season? I think Marvin Lewis is going to be gone. Uh, you know, he's had a great run. He really has. He's brought that team some respectability in terms of their record. But, um, you know, I, I don't know that. I don't know that he's going to be able to get them over the hump, and maybe that has to do more with Andy Dalton, but they got to blame somebody, and, and I think it's going to be Marvin Lewis. I think they're going to start fresh with new leadership at head coach next year in Cincinnati. Sure. I mean, look, it's, it's tough to fire a coach when your team makes the playoffs as frequently as the Bengals do, but the writing appears to have been on the wall for Marvin Lewis. Well, for eventually some... you got to win a playoff game, right? <laughs> right? I think he's lost seven. Something crazy. Yeah. He certainly hasn't won. Uh, who do you think is going to be the offensive rookie of the year this year? I know this kind of contradicts something I said earlier, but Dalvin Cook, uh, I think that he'll he'll have a lot of opportunities uh, in that Minnesota offense to catch the football, and hopefully they'll, he'll find some space on the ground game. And here's here's why I look at him at Florida State last year. That was not a good offensive line at Florida State last year. So I know it's a it's not a good offensive line now at the NFL level, but he's proven that he doesn't need you know these gaping creases that some of these other uh, running backs are afforded in college. Uh, but his dual threat ability in terms of catching, running, uh, and what they need from him, he's going to have touches. I-, I like Dalvin Cook as the offensive rookie of the year. 
doesn't have to be a rookie. Well, I mean, it can't be a rookie, but who is a quarterback that you think is going to take a leap this year? Jared Goff. I think everything around him is in place. An innovative coach and Sean McVay, who you know led a top five offense in Washington last year. You had Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, Tavon Austin, uh, Cooper Cup, Josh Reynolds. They get a tight end and Gerald Everett in the draft. They made improvements on the offensive line, getting an Andrew Whitworth in there, who's a, a stalwart, a guy that's going to be one of the best left tackles in the game. Todd Gurley refining himself behind an offensive line that can actually get the job done. Uh, yeah, Jared Goff, with, for all of those reasons put together, he's just he's just going to be a hell of a lot better than he was last year. And some of the people that wanted to write him off after you know a, a dozen starts or whatever can can see why the Rams took him number one overall. I'm definitely one of those people, and my heart was broken when Sammy Watkins got traded to the Rams, but hey, a guy can't get better until you get him the weapons, so I'm, root- I'm rooting for it to happen this year. Who who do you think is a quarterback that takes a step back this year? I don't know. if they, Joe Flacco, right? Like, I just, they don't have anything around him. They really don't. They lost Steve Smith, and they lost Dennis Pitta. I know they got Jeremy Macklin in there, but, you know, Prashad Perriman's always hurt. Michael Caponero's always hurt. They don't really have a reputable running back. That you know, the offensive line seems to be a little bit makeshift right now with with uh, some of the guys are touting out there. I just I just don't know if, if they have the offensive infrastructure around him. I think defensively they'll be a good football team, but you know, kind of the appeal that he offered after that Super Bowl run and uh, ever since, you know, he's just kind of been a disappointment. And I think I just think that kind of continues to spiral downhill this year. Sure. Two more questions, and they're the big ones. Joe, who's your league MVP this season? I don't want to say Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, so I'll say Ben Roethlisberger. I think he's going to have a monster year, man, with uh, with the weapons we talked about earlier in the running game, with Le'Veon Bell trying to prove that he's worthy of a of the you know not running back money, but player money. You know, he wants to be this massively paid player. I think he's going to be super motivated. He's going. I just think that Steelers are going to have a, a bananas year on offense. All right, you didn't want to go chalk there and make the popular pick on that one. Super Bowl champs? Is it going to be the Patriots? If not them, who you got? <laughs> I think you're asking for two predictions here. The obvious that I'm going to say the New England Patriots because that's who I think will win the Super Bowl this year. Um, do I have to give it like a not the Patriots? No, if the Patriots are your answer, the Patriots are your answer. I'm cool with it. Okay, well, um, I'm going. I, I'll go Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl this year. I really do. Makes sense. It's the it's Vegas is predicting it as well, so uh, I can't fault you on that. Joe, you were awesome today. I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and sharing your your knowledge. And this, it's just amazing. I'm so glad I was able to connect with you. Uh, I want to give you a major thanks, and everybody, please go follow Joe on Twitter at the Joe Marino. Make sure you check out his football writing at FanRag Sports and NDT Scouting. And again, check out the Draft Dudes podcast on FanRag, Audio Boom, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Joe, before we say goodbye, you got anything you want to plug? Oh man, I guess uh, just. Yeah, kind of what you said. Stay connected on Twitter. I do a ton of work, and really proud of what we're building at NDT Scouting, which is uh, which is an affiliate of FanRag Sports uh, in terms of covering the the scouting process of college football. So we are digging in deep on uh, all the college football action that's happening and talking about the guys that you guys are going to watch on Sundays. Uh, so check out NDTScouting.com. I think that would be that would be awesome if you did.
All right, Joe, thank you one more time. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. As usual, you could follow me on Twitter at jmincehoops. Catch my basketball writing at FanRag Sports. Joe, thanks again. Good luck this year. Yeah, thanks, Jared. You've been a great host. Thank you.